into the area. Janček, stab through, chance, shot, goal! Full stop! Unbelievable scenes at the end for the derby! Hello and welcome to Scarves Around the Funnel, the podcast dedicated to Heart and Midlothian Football Club, now rolling in it, the Euro Millions. What a time to be a Hearts fan. I am Laurie Dunsire, joined once again by Mark Donaldson. Wow, could we have could we have had a better week as far as results are concerned? I think the answer to that would be yes, but only if Toby Sibick hadn't done what he did and we went on and absolutely pumped them. Because at 2-0, I honestly thought this could be anything we wanted it to be. And bottom line is, we got through. But what uh, what a week it's been. Scottish Cup finals. Isn't it great? And, and just the week, or the two weeks, or the three weeks, when you know you're in the semi-final and then you win it, looking forward to it. It keeps your season alive. Even though we finished third, or we will finish third, we now have something to look forward to. Brilliant. Indeed. Uh, one man who thought it was going to be a route for about 60 seconds and got very excited <laughs> is someone who knows all about destroying Hibs at Hamden Park. Mr. Ryan McGowan. How are we, chaps? Very well. well. Very well, of course. Good. How are you? Yes, very good. Very good. I was uh, in the process of typing, we want 10 when, they, when Hibs scored, which quickly got deleted, but um, yes, like Mark said, a very good week for, for results. Indeed. And, and a good week for you as well. Um, yeah. Another oh, yes. piece of silverware for the McGowan cabinet. Yeah, yep. Um, last night we won the Kuwaiti Premier League, which was good. So um, A double. We, we had, yes, double. we had played the night, the night before. Um, and then the team was a couple of points they had to win. To take it to the last day, and, and thankfully that they they drew. So um, I couldn't manage to get the game on the TV. But when the group chat started going off in in Arabic, I, I realised that we had uh, we had probably won, which was a which was a strange way to find out that we'd won the league. Yeah, indeed. It's, it's sometimes not quite the same. You don't win it then and there. I remember that in the championship season, it was a bit of a disappointing way to get it in the end. Even though we knew it was coming, when I think it was. Uh, Rangers and Hibs game on the Sunday decided it, didn't it? After we'd played, so but you'll take it, you'll take, take it, it. Take it. Um, indeed. So, of course, we're going to talk about Hart and Midlothian against Hibernian at Hamden Park from the weekend. The indeed, the, the indeed counters at five, by the way. Is it mm. okay? Is that am I have I reached my quota? No, you're 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 racing ahead of where you normally are at this stage <laughs> of proceedings with the indeed counter. Excellent. I'll I'll try and add Excellent. a few more to it. Another one. God, make me self-conscious about what the words I'm using. <laughs> right. We'll talk about hearts against hips. And we will, of course, talk about hearts now into Europe and probably a few other things that will crop up over the 
next hour or so. Okay, before first you, up. No, oh. no. no. Be- oh. before, before you even start the, the what's up, I, I think it's important <laughs> to, to give some lyrics out to a certain song. And I'm not sure it's the way that Frank Sinatra intended my way to end up, um, certainly the music, but let's do this. And now the end is near. We've followed hearts from Perth to Paisley. We've travelled far by bus and car, and other times we went by railway. We've been to Aberdeen. We hate the Hibs. They make us spew up. So make a noise, you gorgy boys. We're going to Europe. To CHMFC, we'll even dig the channel tunnel. When we're afloat on some big boat, we'll tie our scarves around the funnel. We have no cares for other players like Rossi, Boniek, or Tardelli. When we are overseas, the Hibs will be in Portobelli. Amen. Very well said. Let's listen back to Hearts Against Hibs from Saturday. <laughs> Here's Barry Mackay, though. Sims edge of the box. Sims with a show. One to Hearts! And it's an absolute stormer from Sims! Oh, what a rocket from the unknown Everton man! And it's first blood Hearts at Hamden! Hartman Lothian one, Hibernian nil. He scored last week against Hibs Kingsley, but that was from a much closer in. Mackay leaves it. Kingsley rolls to the boys. Back to Kingsley. Curls it towards no, the lovely no, effort. No, 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 oh, no, Kingsley magic! It is a, a moment wonderful finish. of absolute wonder from Stephen Kingsley. Two goals in a week against the Highbies. It is a thing of absolute beauty, that goal. Hearts 2, Hibs 0. Civic, always oh, been dispossessed by Stevenson. Do Hibs have a response? Stevenson cut back, right across the area. Chance for Hibs. Hearts block it back in and Hibs have a goal back. It's Chris Carden who scores at the other end. And an instant response from Hibernian. Less than a minute later. And it's Hearts 2, Hibernian 1. So, some... Wonderful words from Mark Donaldson and wonderful moments from the weekend, or at least two of the three big moments anyway. So let's let's take it back to Saturday afternoon, a lovely sunny April afternoon in Glasgow, Heart of Midlothian taking on Hibernian for the second time in the space of a week. Um, probably no real surprise that Hearts did not make any changes to the team who defeated Hibs 3-1 the week prior. So sticking with that, 3-4-2-1. Gordon and goals, Sibick, Halkett, Kingsley, Atkinson right, Cochrane left, Haring and Halliday in the middle, Boyce and Mackay supporting Sims. Hibernian, on the other hand, making quite a few changes. Probably no surprise, there are either five changes for uh, Sean Maloney and they went with what we were told in the press area that came direct from the Hibs camp a 3-1-4-1-1 one, one. Um, Bushiri Doig right yeah Melkerson and Mueller out um, Paul McGinn Ryan Porteous Lewis Stevenson Ewan Henderson and James Scott coming in so Matt Macy in goals McGinn Porteous Hanlon back three Stevenson sitting in front Cadden right Clark left Doyle Hayes alongside Joe Newell in the centre and Ewan Henderson supporting James Scott in attack. So when the teams came in, Mark, probably no real surprise that Hearts remain unchanged, and there's quite a few eyebrows raised about the Hibs team, and that was from mm-hmm. neutrals on both sides, basically looking at that and thinking, 
Oh, Christ, Hibs live for a long afternoon here. Yeah, two things about that. One, when, uh, 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 this is going to be about Hibs. This isn't going to be about Hearts because we're unchanged. And I said last week that I'd be surprised before the... Yeah. I was going to no, say, I said, say. No, hold on, hold on. And I also said I wouldn't be surprised if Robbie named an unchanged lineup. But I said prior to the league game that I thought it would be a different side um, that played at, at Hamden. But in fairness, I mean, following the, the 3 1, um, well, what was the score the week before? 2 3 1. It was 3 1, yeah. Um, it's totally understandable what, why, why he named the. This, the same side. So I don't think Hearts is the talking point here. I think Hibbs is the talking point. And there's two particular points. One, when I first saw that lineup, I thought it was the Festival Cup. <laughs> Honestly. I, I looked at that, I was like, what? Because he made so many changes. But the second thing I thought was, they're out to get us today. They have, and interesting listening back to last week and, and what Ryan was saying and what Tony Brown was saying as well, especially Tony talking about the team that he picks is going to be one that he thought was going to try and stand up to hearts. When I first saw that, that lineup, uh, Stevenson in there, McGinn back after a long time out, Porteous back, which we expected in Hanlon. I feared a little bit for our technical players, for our skillful players. And I feared a little bit for their safety because I thought they're, they're going to put the boot in here. And they did. Did they not? They did. And I mean, I think one thing's interesting. I mean, Tony mentioned it last week. He felt, you know, one of Hibbs' issues and one of the things that might be a problem is Maloney wants to play this, you know, play out from the back, a total football approach, which is is maybe not Hibbs' best approach to win the game. He felt maybe their best approach to win the game is to get stuck in, keep it tight, um, battle hard, but not necessarily just try and outplay hearts by passing through them. And in the end, Ryan, I mean, they... They set out in a much more solid fashion. You could see it was a slightly different approach, and albeit maybe there was a, to a degree the game plan had gone out the window early on, but it was definitely a, it was a very different Hibs approach from the week before. Yeah, and I think Hearts handled that really well. I think they would have worked on during the week that Hibs, well, they shouldn't have been as bad as they were the previous week, and to expect the reaction and. Um, I thought Hart started really well in terms of that. And and like we've spoken about on previous podcasts is that Hearts can mix it up. You know, they do have some players in there that, that like that side of the game that can hold their own. And um, it just had that real good feel about a derby semi-final and both teams desperate to win. But I do agree with, with Mark in terms of Hibs definitely did set up in um, one, wanting to really, really nullify Hearts' players or technical players on the ball and, and make it yeah. into a fight because they knew that if it was just a pure out-and-out football game that they would they would struggle. Indeed. Indeed. There we go. A couple more for you, Mark. Double indeed. Double indeed. Uh, double indeed. I mean, the game started and oh, there wasn't, wasn't a flurry of chances, but it was played at a good tempo early on, I thought, from both sides. Hearts looking like they had a bit of extra edge when it came to quality. Uh, Boyce got into decent position in the ninth minute, sliced it at the, the vital moment when he could have cut it back for Ellis Sims. And then 16th minute, obviously the big moment with the opening goal. And this does come from Hibbs trying to play out from the back. They have a free kick over on the right-hand side in defence just by the touchline. Try and play out short. And it's really good closing down by Alex Cochran, to be fair. Paul McGinn 
not, not the best ball-playing defender out there. So he's closed down. Cochran with the challenge. It breaks to Mackay. He feeds Sims. It's another assist for Mackay. But this is all about Ellis Sims, who sends an absolute pile driver. T- terrific strike. The pace on it, right into the corner. No chance for Macy. And, you know, Mark, we've, I think he's, he's a very effective player, Ellis Sims. We've not seen maybe enough from a goal-scoring perspective, but that was just a finish of so much quality. A hammer that found the slammer. It was a, a phenomenal <laughs> effort. It, it, just the power, how early he took it. It's funny, looking back at the game, and we got penalised just before that for, I think it was an offside decision that wasn't offside. Is yeah, that correct? Jimmy, yeah, Jimmy and I are still moaning about it as, the, as we win the yeah, ball. <laughs> and as, as a result, we end up scoring from a wrong decision by the officials. So I'm more than happy that, uh, that the flag went up because of them trying to play out from the back and trying to overplay. It was just, it was a super goal. But again, it was Barry Mackay's awareness, how quick. he Ryan, he sometimes, for me, he sees the game at a different speed from others. It's like, it's like a top snooker player who's thinking four, five, six shots ahead when they're playing a, a white or a black, or uh, sorry, a red or a black. With Barry Mackay, it's, it's like, at times it seems it's unfair because he looks like he really has a proper footballing brain on him, doesn't he? Yeah, and it's it's not so much everyone sees that pass or everyone can knows it's on. It's just having that ability to actually play it in and play it at the right time at the, the ball speed, the weight of pass is like you said. He just looks in control as soon as he gets the ball, and um, he's just having an unbelievable season. And it was interesting listening to Andy Halliday during the week on a, a podcast, and he had said that you know for a lot of that week they worked on um, Hibs in possession. And you could tell that as soon as that ball got played into McGinn, that the press was really, really good. And, and that created that opportunity. And you could tell that they had worked on that during the week. And it was, you know, judging by Robbie's reaction, and, and especially with the second goal that we touch on, is you can see that they've a lot of the stuff they've worked on in training came to fruition um, during that game. Looking at Ellis Sims, Mark, he's, I know he's been in the press this week. He's suggesting he is open to remaining at Tynecastle, he's 21 and he is contracted at Goodison Park for another two years. Mm-hmm. It's an interesting position because you know, Everton very well could be in the championship. If Everton do stay in the Premier League, um, you don't feel he's a player who's going to break in at that level quite yet. So there might well be a potential to extend that loan for a further year, it would be a, a good level for him if Everton see it as, well, he's going to get regular football at a decent level and have European football. I mean, that that would be a great bit of business if Hearts could extend that, that loan deal for another season. While we are recording this, Burnley are playing Southampton. And I think the importance of this result, even although it's, it's, it's a bit weird, the importance of this result is, is there for Hearts because if Burnley win it, and Burnley have just scored as I speak, if Burnley are the team that survives at the expense of Everton, I think our chances of getting Ellis Sims go down. I would I think, agree. Yeah, I think if Ellis Sims um, and his parent club next season are in the Premier League, I think the chances of him, a 21-year-old, doesn't turn 22 until January staying, makes perfect sense. Yeah. Because you've got Richarlison, Dominic Calvert-Lewin just can't stay fit right now. 
Um, they don't. I, I watched the Chelsea game that he played in December, and they didn't have many other options. And he played. Um, he played 62 games in a one-all draw. It was his Premier League debut, and it, I'm not saying he looked he looked um, like a fish out of water. He, he didn't. He, he looked like he, he kind of maybe not belonged there because he didn't overly trouble them, but he had one or two moments. He kind of thought, okay, there might be something there. This is when we were watching it with no knowledge whatsoever that like he was going to be a Hearts player. You're just watching it, you're like, oh my God, who, who's this kid? It's like anything when a youngster plays. So... Burnley winning against Southampton and going on to be safe with Everton going down, I think affects Hearts. I don't think there's there's any reason why, if Everton stay up, they wouldn't be uh, agreeable to another 12 months for, for Ellis Sims. And we've had Robbie on, we've had others on, talking about loan spells. And, and Ryan's a good one to talk to about this, the loan spells that he had that kind of got him ready, fattened him up, if you like, to, to play at a rigorous level. Um, he started off with Everton under-23s. They put him on loan to Blackpool. That was a really good decision. It was League One. He got 10 goals from 19 starts. Went back to Everton. Now he's at Hearts, and he's done really well. So I don't see any negatives from an Everton perspective, if they stay in the Premier League, to them not giving Hearts another 12 months of Ellis Sims. And you know what? If they get him back at the end of that, and forget the fact about him signing permanently right now, because he's, he's on a fortune, blah, blah, blah. It'll cost a lot of money. That ain't going to happen. Why would Everton not want one of their talented young players to play European football, potentially eight games? I say potentially, i.e. if he stays fit, because we're guaranteed eight games. It's it's a win-win, surely, isn't it? I think so, 100%. I was going to say the same thing. And that European football carrot, Ryan, already, you would hope, has an impact on our negotiating power. Because <laughs> if it wasn't for that, then maybe you know, a lower championship club or maybe a League One club comes in again for Sims. And maybe before that, Everton might have thought, well, you know what, Hearts, Scotland, what is that level actually like? Hard to compare, whereas we know bottom of the champ or lower of the championship, League One, we can, let's send them there. We kind of know what that level is like. But if you say, well, it's Hearts, but he's also going to play eight times potentially in Europe against some decent sides. That's experience he won't get in the English Championship or in League One. So hopefully that gives us a little bit of extra bargaining power. I definitely think it will. And, you know, if you're looking at it for a, a young player, I still can't believe that he's only 21, to have that taste of European football and playing against teams that no doubt most some of their players will be young 2021 20, with their ambition of going to the Premier League. You see that all the time of these sort of European countries that um, the Premier League sort of nitpicks their best players at. So it's a a great platform for him to go out and improve. And it also rules out that risk of if he does go to a championship club, you know, does he settle in? Does the coach like him? Does he fit in with the boys? Does they play the same style? Mm. Whereas, you know, he's going to play when he's fit the majority of the games at, at hearts. He's a, a key member of the squad. He's, he's playing in for a big club with the big expectations, which although Everton are struggling at the moment, they are on a similar par in terms of they want us to be up the, the top end of the Premier League. So, you know, all those little foundations or sort of um, dot points that they would want for him as a young player out on loan, Hearts tick all those boxes and, and more. So, like we said, let's hope that Everton stay in the Premier League. And let's hope that um, they can get a deal done and, and he returns next season because his performance on, sat on uh, Saturday especially was outstanding for a centre-forward. I thought he was best player on the pitch for hearts yeah 
I would agree. About four minutes after Hearts got the opener, Hearts end already bouncing. Nathaniel Atkinson got forward, cut in and won a free kick after a foul from Harry Clark. Now this is well, midway point of the first half, about 32 yards out. I did feel this is a bit, just a little bit too far out for Stephen Kingsley. And it, it, very interesting, I was reading um, reading his comments in the evening news earlier this week and basically said, I haven't practiced that free kick, not once. It was actually planned for Barry Mackay if we got one on the right side of the park. We felt confident about it working for him. When we got it on my side, it was way too far out for me to hit. So we had a quick word and I worked it with Boyce. Liam's layoff was perfect. The weight was bang on because the ball wasn't moving too quickly for me. Harry Clark was right in the line of where I wanted to put it. So I used him to start the outside of the post and bring it back in. Mark, it's it's just an absolutely wonderful goal. I mean, you know, forget the level. We'll, we'll talk about this a little bit in the same kind of context later on about Gordon, but it doesn't matter what level you're at. That is just a, a world-class hit, isn't it? The way they worked that free kick and the way he picked out the far corner. It was truly, truly glorious. And the only thing that was as good as the goal was the camera angle from the other end of the pitch looking from behind Stephen Kingsley because yeah. that one just that was bent probably three yards from outside the goal back to to inside the goal and it's what I would say in commentary when you get a free kick that's in that vicinity I'd use the line this is the kind of how far out is too far out range and that was probably just on the verge of of too far out for most but Stephen Kingsley's ability from, from there, but clearly he's felt that it's too far out for a direct shot. And the conversation that they've had just before they take it, Boyce has obviously been part of when Barry Mackay's worked at training on this. And I don't know, how, Ryan, how many times out of 10 does that end up in the back of the net? One at best? Yeah, at best. If it happens in training the first time, you just go, right, that's it, done. Then you go, <laughs> sorted. <laughs> There's so many pieces of that, especially when, you know, set pieces is everyone being switched on that it's the right thing, like the right one or the right time that you're going to do it. Boys remembering it. Boys being in the right position. You also need to kind of bank on the other team doing what you think they're going to do. You know, sometimes you like, they won't have a wall or they'll have a big wall and it changes. But um, oh, it was just a, what a goal. It's probably one of the best goals for that for that occasion, for the, the timing of it. It was just perfectly hit, and it would have been a great feeling for him. As soon as it left his boot, he would have just seen that the whole way in, and just knowing that it was going to go in would have been amazing. Yeah, was he it, actually... Was it, was, it, was it better than than a certain McGowan's goal in the cup final at Hamden? No, it was only a semi. It was only a semi-final. <laughs> it's funny, he said, um, it's my seventh of the season and my fourth from a free kick. I still think the one I hit against St. Merrin earlier in the season was the best, but wow. this one means so much. And I mean, to me, the the way they've had to work it, uh, my, to me, that make I feel that one's better. I mean, not that it's easy to hit a dead ball, but the fact it's, it's you know, plays in motion with this one. I feel you know, that that to me elevates this one, but obviously, I mean, they're they're both fantastic goals. So th this is like asking uh, Craig Gordon, "What's your best save that you've done?" <laughs> asking Stephen Kingsley, "What your best free kick is?" Asking George Best, "Which Miss World that you slept with <laughs> did you enjoy more but, than anybody?" I mean, you're dealing at the the top, top, top 
level. It's a nice conversation to have. Yeah. Which one? <laughs> Which one of those three? All of them. <laughs> it is. I mean, it's glorious. Because they're not getting on so long. I mean, Craig will still have his favourite, whatever whatever that may be, his favourite save. I, I, I don't know what got on to it, and I want to speak later about it. I don't want to get a row from teacher and go ahead of the... Yep, the, the yep, kind of, yep. Yeah, you know where I'm going with this, and we'll speak shortly, I'm sure, about the save um, from Ryan Porteous. But it was it was just glorious. But how refreshing is it, from a heart supporter's perspective, to know that we have two things. One, oh, they're, they've got a one-on-one. doesn't matter. Craig will probably save it. And two, we've got a set piece. There's a good chance we're going to score here. This yep. is like uncharted territory for us. Yeah, and I I said this um, I said this early in the season as well. I think it works twofold. You know, one you've got that threat from a set piece. You know, you get a free kick thirty yards from goal. There's a good chance we might score or we'll have a really good delivery. I think, and you know, Ryan will be able to confirm or deny this, but I think that puts a wee thought in defenders' head. So when Barry Mackay is dancing through, and you're thinking, oh, j- just trip him up and take him out. Think twice about that, even if he's 30 yards from goal, because you think, well, we don't want to give away a free kick. Stephen Kingsley will hit one in the top bag, so are we better letting him run past? And it's not that you let players through, but maybe when there's a cynical foul on, you let the guy go past. Because I don't you think know that was him. in their game plan. I, I think their game plan, Ryan. No, was, I, don't, was, I, I don't think no, for them, but I think in, I think often, I might, my feeling would be that often that's that goes through defenders' heads, or it's yeah, been I instructed would, to, you know, let's not give away free kicks within 30 yards. I think their rules and, and their, their game plan was nullify them by whichever means possible, fair or foul. That challenge that led to the free kick, that was a nasty challenge. I was he, I couldn't I couldn't believe he complained about it. He was raging. It's like it's probably a yellow it's a yellow card challenge. It's borderline the yellow and he's moaning. Hibs uh, would definitely and other teams would be, definitely be saying, let's try and not give away free kicks in and around yeah, the edge of the box. They it, should be. That's yeah. But that's what I've been in teams loads of times with with players that are good on set pieces, and that's what you say. You know, don't give away stupid corners or don't give away silly mm-hmm. free kicks in and around the box because you know that they've got great delivery, which which Hearts definitely do at the moment. That's another goal from a set piece against Hibbs. I mean, Maloney came out when he was still manager, and uh, by the way, the the Perth to Paisley podcast this week saying that he gets his suits from Build a Bear. What a good line that was. Um, I, just, I thought that was ex- I thought that was excellent. Um, but the number of goals that we've we've scored from set plays against Hibs because they just they aren't very good at defending them, whether it's a corner or or a free kick. But that that was just glorious. And at that stage, I, I, I'd shouted a lot for the first two. At that stage, I thought, okay, how many is this going to be? Yeah, I mean, this is it's weird. It's a pivotal. It's actually a pivotal moment. This I know. Hearts, hearts win the game, but I couldn't. Maybe I should be able to believe. I, there was a lot of Hibs fans heading for the exits after that free kick. You said and, it in commentary, which and, is live across the world. On <laughs> what? what's going on here? I thought this yeah. isn't Hearts TV. I've tuned into, and um, it was it was great to to hear your uh, you and Jimmy's dulcet yes. tones. If I was a Hibs fan tuning in in, in America or Australia <laughs> or Kuwait, I'd be well pissed off. Indeed, I mean, I don't think it was deliberate that that happened, but yeah, it, it was a. It, I'm glad it was a game that we won. See if it'd be me going out having to mump and moan about us getting beat, that would be disappointing. But there were fans heading for the exits, and I know Hibs are in a bad place and they were 2 0 down, but I couldn't believe there were a few heading for the exits. And I, I think most of them probably came back to their seats within 60 seconds because Hibs hit back straight away. And 
Now, Ryan, you're a defender. I saw some people saying it, it should have been a foul. I didn't think it was a foul. I thought Sibic just dallied and wanted too much time. Um, Who said ball. it was a foul? I just saw. I know. I, I saw some people on Twitter suggesting that no, Stevenson well, had been, which no, I don't think he did. Awful defender. Um, it is, and it's 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 a weird moment, this Ryan, isn't it? Because I my feeling was, if Hearts have even four or five minutes rubbing it in and celebrating and enjoying that goal, I feel the complexion of the game is entirely different. But because Hibbs got that goal, it actually changed the tone a little bit, even though Hearts never lost the lead. Yeah, 100%. And to be fair to Hibs fans, I would have been thinking the exact same thing. You've just got absolutely spanked for the first 20 minutes. You're 2-0 down after getting hosed on the, the week before 3-1. You wouldn't want to be sitting through that. But I just think at that game, I think, or at that time of the game, sorry, he should have just cleared it. And on reflection, that's exactly what he'll be thinking. But at the same time, if you leave it out for a goal kick, it kills all their sort of momentum and, and it does look relatively good as a, a defender. But it's just, I was frustrated watching it because it, it did just bring them back into life, I felt. Well, it did. It was, it's good work by Stevenson to close him down, win it back. Um, a little bit of fortune with the Cadden effort. The first one's blocked and comes back to him, but it's a very nice reaction finish to find the corner on the volley. And it just changed the complexion. I mean, there's, the, the only other big chance in the first half actually goes to Hearts, right at the end of the half. Boyce ends up one-on-one one after Sims is tackled, but drags it wide. And again, that could have changed the complexion. He's, he's on one of these runs, Mark, William Boyce. He, he's a very good part of the team and he's a very effective player. He links things up well. He kind of seems to enjoy that number 10 role that matches the back of his shirt. But when it comes to goal scoring... One goal in 13 now, it's just, mm. you feel like he just needs, um, I say one to go in kind of off his backside or just ricochet in with a bit of fortune. He got a cracking goal at Tanadice, but other than that, he's just not really found his range of late. No, and when he took it with his left foot, I don't know if the touch before that it kind of could have been a little bit better, could have set him up to choose either foot, but hitting it wide, he didn't have a good game. And there's no point in sugarcoating this, but we had one or two players that didn't have a good game um, and we were poor after they got their goal back yet for all their oh what a performance and power and pace and panache and all that bollocks if they're claiming that was one of their best performances under Sean Maloney and we were shite it doesn't say much for them but as far as two things are are, are concerned um Ryan, as, as, as someone that's played as many games as you have, have you ever seen a game where there have been two moments, not one moment, where there's a clear pendulum switch as the two moments in this game, one being Hearts 2 up and conceding straight away and the second being the red card for Joe Newell? It was incredible. You could visibly see it that the game changed on these, it changed one way in their favour and then the pendulum swung back to hearts. One time happens quite often, I would imagine, but two in a game? I also think Gordon's save. I felt the reaction of a lot of those Hibs players was like, fucking hell, like, what a save that is. And, and it's such a key time. If Hibs score then, you would be not a confident man that hearts would go on to win that game because of just the way that the game was playing out at that at that moment. But I felt that 
after that Craig Gordon save, you could just see a few Hibs boys were just like frustration almost of, oh my God, like how has he saved that and just sums up our season almost of, you know, we've we've done well to get back into the game. He's pulled off an absolute world-class save and how are we going to score against him? And um, I also feel like the red card was just, you could tell from a mile away, I think, that that boy was going to get sent off. Oh, it, it, he, he, he should have been subbed. I, yeah, I don't I mean, understand. Maloney comes out after the game and, and kind of defends him, saying you wanted he wanted to play him on the edge, but he's going to wait two or three fouls. Yeah, it's, that's when it's, you need your leaders and your team to either say, "Hey, listen, mate, pull your head in and hide, play hide and seek for the next couple of minutes because refs watching you," or you're brave enough as a manager to say, "I'm taking you off before you get sent off." Yeah, it's it's lunacy. I mean, start of the second half, Hibs are certainly the stronger team. I, I think the real story, and what you know, they have the big chance we'll get to in a moment, the real story is as much as Hibs rattled hearts and they started a second half the better team, they still lacked any real quality in the final third. They were not creating many chances. I mean, Craig Gordon picked the ball out of the net twice and made one real save. Other than that, it was a fairly routine day for them, I would say. Um, Halkett going off five minutes into the second half is obviously a bit of a blow. I was getting concerned at this point because I felt we were looking a little bit ragged and he's obviously a crucial part. Mm. Off on a stretcher, you know, immediate thoughts are, well, he's done for the season and God knows how long. I, I think the positive news is the suggestions after the scans are that it could just be three or four weeks. So he's in contention for the cup final, which... I think is much better news than I would have thought. Just as soon as you see the stretcher, you immediately think it's going to be a really, yeah. a really and long also one. Him as a as a player and as a person, I, I don't know him personally, but as a how he holds himself. There's certain players that when they go down and they you know throw their arms up and you're like, well, that's a serious one, or that's a, yeah. He's not. As soon as he went down, you could tell that he wasn't going to then get up and, and carry on just from the way that he was. He was banging the turf the, as well, Ryan, wasn't it? Yeah. He, can, he knew straight away. From, from certain players. And I was very concerned at that time because I think it, it turned into Civic and Moore coming on. And yeah. Just felt Hibs were right in the ascendancy. You'd lost Halkett. Hibs got a lift from that. You know, their fans got a massive lift from Halkett going off. I think they felt that what an opportunity, again, like what we just said, that, you know, they've got two boys that weren't, first choice players for that game. I haven't played a whole lot of football in in Moore and Civic. We're on the ascendancy and and yeah, I was a I was a, a nervous boy in Kuwait at that moment. Yeah, I mean four minutes later, this is the the big moment, um, other than the red card in the second half. And I have to say I, I mentioned it on Twitter afterwards, although it wasn't a game hearts were involved that when Henderson delivered from the right uh, an outswinging corner, and I saw a Hibs defender attacking the ball. I did get flashbacks oh. to a certain game at Hamden six years ago, and it's it's almost perfect. This from a Hibs perspective, really nice delivery. It's an, a nice run, really well attacked by Ryan Portis, and I had the perfect angle at it. You know, you've, you've probably got almost the perfect angle looking with the cameras that you get on the TV as well. Catches it, it perfectly, downward header. Going towards the bottom corner, you you can't really do anything more there. And despite Craig Gordon being in goals, and despite knowing just what Craig Gordon is capable of, I have to say, I thought it was in. I thought he'd done everything oh. right, and it's absolutely incredible. I mean, it's edge of the six yard box. Portis connects with that header, 
and Gordon's what a yard off his line. So you're talking four to five yards between them, and it's going downward, going to the bottom corner. It's, yeah, it's uh, not Adam as well. No, it's sometimes unbelievable. You see it it's like, him. He's actually had to react to that. That is as good a piece of goalkeeping as you will, will see anywhere. It does, and similar to what I'm saying about the Kingsley strike, it doesn't matter what level you're at. Whatever defender attacks that ball and heads it down, whether it's Hibs or whether it's in top league in the world, they've done everything they can there. That's a bullet header to the bottom corner. I don't think you can get better goalkeeping than that. You couldn't have headed that better. And that, for me, is one of the greatest saves I've ever seen. Yep. Now, the, there's a lot that goes into what makes a great save. One of the things for me is the importance of the save at the time of the game. True, yeah. yeah. Ryan's talking about the turning points, and he, he mentioned Craig's save and, and Halkett going down. The clear what happened before and after swings in this game, where Hart's going 2 a lot and then quickly going 2-1, and not so much the save, because even after the save and before the save, they were on top. When Halkett went off, it was a concern, big concern. When Craig made the save, nothing really changed. It was still them coming forward and looking likely to be the side that gets the equaliser. But that save, to be as good as it was at the time that it was and what it meant, it's totally deflated then, even although they continued to press forward until Neil got sent off. And then they were like, oh, what, what more can we, can we do here? Um, it still made it nervy for us. But that save, and I know I put Turnbull, David Turnbull on Twitter when it was, um, when it was David Clarkson, his save from, from him at David Clarkson against Motherwell. I think mm-hmm. it was 2-1 at the time, and that would have, that would have been a draw. No, yeah, back in still, 2005. Yeah, yeah the, the volley, yeah. Um, I was lucky enough to be at Tynecastle when Henry Smith made the save. I think we were one down, um, and Tommy Coyne had a chance to put them 2-0 up, Celtic, and, and we won the game by three there's goals. A Yemi, there's a Yemi save from Larson ahead of it, Celtic Park. Well, that which was, was, yeah, was sensational. But yeah. here's another one. Craig Gordon made a save in the Cup semi-final in front of no fans, remember? That was out of this world. Was that not the one where the Nis- meme Nisbet of him, yep, where that's, of him yeah. winking? Is that not as a direct <laughs> yeah. result of that? That's that where that it scene? comes from. Yeah, that's where I it mean, comes from. You tell me a better goalkeeper in Britain, and I would argue Craig Gordon is as good or better than than that goalkeeper because of an ability to produce at times where he is required. That was obviously a big moment, a huge moment. But ten minutes later. And I would be so angry if I was a Hibs fan at this point because oh, of, although the, they created the one big chance, I was worried at that point, you know, Halkett's gone off, Halliday'd gone off. Although Hibs weren't creating chance after chance, it felt like, as you said, the pendulum had swung in their favour and eventually they would find the back of the net. We didn't really seem to have an answer for them for that first 15, 20 minutes in the second half. And Joe Newell was, oh, I thought he was a little bit lucky that he was still on because he pulled back Kingsley. He did, yep. And Kingsley kept going. And I think Jimmy said in commentary, he's lucky that Kingsley doesn't just, if, if Kingsley Jimmy was the type of player to, to throw himself yeah. down, it's a simple yellow card. And the challenge is just so stupid. And it could easily be a straight red. You know, Haring's cleared it. He's inside his own half. It's going nowhere. The ball's, I think, going to go back to Hibs and they'll come again. And he just jumps in. And that's where, that's where I think Ryan... They've obviously been told to try and ruffle hearts, to rattle hearts. And I don't have a problem with that to a degree. I think Jimmy had less of a problem with me. I thought they crossed the line a few times. And there's the two big ones are this and then Campbell a bit later. 
But that's that's just when it gets to the point of ill discipline, isn't it? Yeah, a hundred percent. And uh, I'll probably side with Jimmy on that. It, it, it would be similar to how I'd almost want Hearts to not respect. It's, you just want to get at them. And Hibs obviously know that they're a far weaker t- team than Hearts, and they wanted to make sure that they were right up for the fight. And that's exactly what I would want Hearts to do in the Cup final against Rangers: is to not let them, you know, dilly dally on the ball and and let them know, be in their faces. If you have to smash a couple of people, then you have to smash a couple of people. But you also, as a manager, you always say, in the right areas, don't be stupid, not on a yellow. It was a nothing take, part take of turns. the pitch. Yep. Yeah, it was a nothing part of the pitch. He'd already got away with those, like you said, the, the Kingsley pull. There's a little, like, not a header with an elbow. There's an aerial challenge that, again, yeah. I didn't think you it would have made a second yellow, but... You start if it wasn't putting... a yellow, yeah, you could you could see it's definitely that warning card almost, isn't it? Your next one, you're going to get a yellow. And if yeah. you are on a yellow, watch what you're doing because it's not exactly a red. And it, he just has to pull it in. And if it was at the edge of his box or if it was a breakaway, then you could possibly understand. But it was just, I don't even think the clearance or the he was going to go anywhere. He was probably no. would have got the ball back at that, at that stage of the game. We couldn't get out of the half. And it, that was the time when I thought, yeah, that's us. We should be able to see it out from here. I mean, I thought John. I thought John Beaton was weak, Laurie. I thought he didn't do the job that a referee should do and protect the players. And some of their challenges were were borderline lunacy. Well, the the Campbell one, which I have to say in oh, real time, that's a that's a salt. Real, yeah, real time. I I didn't see just how bad it was, but then you see oh. the replay, um, and it's a. It's a straight red all day long with nine minutes to go. I mean, before that, the second half turned into this game where Hearts, I think, a bit of a walking wounded, saw that they were in a good position to see the game out and Hibbs kind of capitalized. And you have to say, Hibbs kept fighting and they made it a fairly tight second half without really opening Hearts up again. There was a free kick that was fairly comfortably saved. Um, there is one moment that I was fuming at. I was waving my fist in anger at one of our players towards the end. And uh, like I was, if if they had scored, if they had scored, I was on a flight back from Kuwait. They scored, (laughs) slap him in the head. What is he doing? I mean, we're talking about, it should have been, he was on a booking. So he should have been sent off. And if he'd been sent off and him to score from that free kick, we're an extra time. And it's, and it's 10 against 10. I mean, it was absolutely ludicrous. It all comes through. And, you know, whatever. For even if you got a reason to do it, off the ball after it's it's gone free, he just shoves Portis to the ground, two-handed. Fair enough, Portis maybe makes the most of it, but it's it's a clear yellow card, and he's very fortunate not to get a second yellow there. And he's fortunate yeah. that it's Hibbs and the free kick is pretty a, yeah. tame. But I was, I was I was boiling over trying not to say anything on air when that happened. So, so here, here's the thing about this, right? When we've played Hibs over the years and, and I've felt that we have the better players and most people have felt we have the better players, there's always still that concern about set plays, right? I was always wary. Stevie Mallon isn't a brilliant footballer, but Stevie Mallon can be brilliant from set plays. And it was always the case when he played against us, was, right, look, come on, just be sensible. Don't give anything away. They have that type of player in Ewan Henderson. And the, he, was, the, he was very good. He was actually very good. He was good, excellent. But his set, his set played deliveries like his brother. And it was just going back to the, the header. It was so similar because it was Henderson in the same corner flag or yeah. corner area 
that delivered for David Gray when, when he scored. And this time it was Henderson's brother who did the same. And it was Porteous with the header this time. So they had that ability. So he's, he's, he's a lucky, lucky boy, Taylor Moore, that A, he didn't get sent off for a second yellow because he should have been, go back to John beating the ref being weak. And secondly, it was a shite free kick. And Craig Gordon, in a kind of jovial moment afterwards, I think he said to one of the, the, the journalists that uh, he had a quick word with Taylor Moore, but then said, and I was a bit bored, so thanks for giving me something else to do and making me look good. <laughs> um, when, when Jasper's free kick was saved. But it's what, look, it, file it under, we got away with that for that particular incident. But Ryan, the one thing I want to quickly talk to you about is how Hearts condensed the field. And they knew after the sending off of, of Joe Newell that they'd be happy to hit on the counter. But what do you, in your opinion, what did Hearts do the best setting up the team and making themselves compact in between lines or or um, narrow when they had Joe Newell sent off and Hearts were then like, okay, because it worked because they had hardly any chances after that. What did they do well that prevented Hibs from getting those chances? I think the main thing they did was they just killed the game. So Hibs would have, when you get a man sent off, you, you're sort of not reeling for the next five, 10 minutes, but you've, you're probably looking at your manager to work out what formation are we going to do? It's a semi-final. Are we just going to, you know, leave it man on man at the back? So they were being a little bit, you know, apprehensive or not knowing what they were going to do. So the key there would be to make sure that you give them zero opportunities. You take as long as you can for throw-ins. You keep the ball for as long as you can. You just, just give them absolutely nothing. You don't give them corners, free kicks, nothing. And I think Hearts did that very well. They kept the ball... Although they weren't great at keeping it, they played in almost Hibs half and they just sucked the life out of the game. And it kills the mood of the the Hibs fans who have just had a player sent off. You could hear the Hearts fans understanding the situation and what was happening on the pitch. And that's where it comes back to the, having some of those leaders like Kingsley, like Gordon, Boyce, who I all felt, uh, Big Peter Herring, all felt that watching their body language it was very much like we've got this situation under control, but it can change. It's a semi-final. It can change at any minute. Let's be sensible about this. And I think more probably missed that uh, chat. With the, <laughs> missed that memo. <laughs> missed that little uh, memo that went out with his, wow. with his behavior. But also what I, I noticed when I was watching highlights back is how close there was it to actually being in the box. It, he had no idea where he was on the pitch. He didn't know that he was outside the outside the box if I have no doubt that he would have pushed him over if he was a yard or two yards inside the box and given away a penalty so he's a, a very lucky boy and I have no doubt that Robin Nielsen would have probably either pulled him probably not after the game but at some point this week just to say listen you, you can't be doing those types of things and it, it's something that he's going to learn from you know fucking head butted um, Sproul in the Derby at Easter Road you get caught up in these moments <laughs> but you need to try and learn from that and and luckily enough he didn't he didn't have a harsh lesson to learn from all's well that ends well i suppose and hearts progressed to the scottish cup final where they will play rangers on the 21st of may and it secured european group stage football for next season
Right, so let's talk a bit about Europe because we've not had we've not had many opportunities to talk about Hearts in Europe over the last few years. <laughs> Once, basically, since Ryan was involved, um, we won't talk about that time he gave the ball away and Suarez scored. But um, <laughs> for next he can't season, resist. every single week. I know. I'm just jealous. He, yeah. he played at Anfield for Hearts. I was. I didn't even. I didn't get there as a fan. Um, it's just envy. It's just pure envy. Um, so next season, Hearts will be in the playoff for the Europa League. They'll either win that and play in the Europa League group stages, or they'll lose that and they'll drop into the Europa Conference League group stage. Um, it's quite interesting. I know it's been the, the finances have been posted. So three point two million if Hearts reach the Europa League group stages. If they get to the Europa Conference League, it's two point seven million. They also get 250,000 cushion for losing the playoff to Europa League. So basically, 3 million effectively. Um, money for wins in Europa League, 475,000. Europa Conference League, 420,000. Money for a draw, 160,000 Europa League, 140,000 in the Europa Conference. That doesn't factor in match tickets, of course. Um, and also, Hearts get 2 million pounds for finishing third in the Premiership, which is about four times more than what they got for winning the championship last season. Now, before we get on to some, a topic I want to quickly touch on, which is squad and how we manage this next season. One question. Is it better for Hearts to be in Europa Conference League than the Europa League? From a, co- a coefficient perspective, yes. From a chance fact- to win games perspective, yes. yes. It's not like the difference between Champions League and Europa League. No, because... And- the, the, the finances are very similar. And sorry, I'm cutting you off. Continue. No, no, you, you, you're right. I read um, I read Barry Anderson's article and seeing uh, see, seeing how much you get. The difference between playing in the Champions League group stage and playing in the Europa League group stage financially is, is astronomical. Yeah, yeah. It's it's minuscule. It is minuscule between, I suppose, prestige, but the likelihood of us getting out of the group. So here, here's the other thing as well. If Hearts go into the Europa League, Hearts coefficient for next season including country coefficient, is going to be 7.7, right? That ain't, that ain't going to get you anything, seeded-wise, right? So hearts are going to be, um, the lowest seeds are likely to be the lowest seeds in the group. Um, so we're not going to be one of the top two teams, even in the Conference League. I think, so be, I think someone said we'd be likely be fourth in the Europa League group. Fourth in Europa and third, third in Conference. Yeah, third in Conference. So... Look, just because you're a top seed doesn't necessarily mean you're going to you're going to win games. I mean, we've seen that over the years on plenty of occasions. So, prestige-wise, look, if you're asking right now what would be the preference of, of Hearts fans, I, I I think it depends on, on the trips well, that, well, that you. I get. know, but from okay, <laughs> from a financial point of view, so basically, so if if we win the playoff, we get to Europa League, it's three point two yeah. million. It's basically three if we get to Europa Conference because of the cushion. So there's not much difference about getting there. Money for a win is only 50 grand or so difference and there's only 40 grand or so difference in the draws. Now, just quickly, so this is Europa League. So these are the groups in the Europa League. So let's quickly, Leon Rangers, Sparta Prague, Bromby, Monaco, Sociedad, Eindhoven, Sturmgrat, Spartak, Moscow, Napoli, Leicester, Legia, Warsaw, Frankfurt, Olympiacos, Fenerbahce, Antwerp, Galatasaray, Lazio, Marseille, Lokomotiv, Red Star, Braga, Micheland, Ludogorets. We've got Leverkusen in there. You've got Betis in there. You've got Dinamo Zagreb, West Ham. Conference League, Lask, Maccabi, Tel Aviv, 
Helsinki, Alashkert, Ghent, Partizan, Anathorsis, Flora. Okay, Roma are in this group. Roma, Bodo, Glimp. This is a bit of a strong one. Zoria, Seska, Sofia. You've got AZ, Randers, Jablonek, Cluj, Feyenoord, Slavia. You've got a group. You look at these groups, what well, the last group's Basel, Karabag, Ammonia, Kairat Almaty. If, if we're talking almost half a million pounds a win, and um, even in the Europa Conference, £140,000 for a draw. I was looking at it, and I was thinking, we could be better off getting the Europa Conference. Because, don't get me wrong, we could still mess up against those teams. And you can still get a tough group. You know, I mentioned one group had Roma, one group had Spurs, Vitesse, and Ren. It's not like you're going to definitely get an easier group. But I looked at some of those groups, and I was like, I could see us qualifying from some of those groups and getting maybe three wins on the board and three wins on the board is 1.2 million pounds yeah some of those conference groups sorry some of the europa league groups i'm like i don't know if we'd get a point maybe one or two and and that's the thing so so the thing is laurie the only i say the only finishing third in a europa league group you do take you into the conference league so you'd still be playing after christmas the chances of hearts being a fourth seed and finishing third in a europa league group I think we'd be all right. I think we'd have a bit of a decent chance. But look at Rangers over the past few years. Yeah, it They've depends on teams. the draw, but yeah, you could have it. Oh, have it. Of course. But you. Th- this is where you need a little bit of luck with a draw, right? Because look at Bodo Glimt this year. Everyone's like, well, take them. Who are they? The Celtic draw them. Like, happy days. That's the best draw we could hope. Papped out. See ya. Um, I remember when we lost to Birker Kara, the Maltese. Oh. If we'd got, I know, I know. If we'd got through that, we would have faced Krasnodar. Krasnodar have got this unbelievably rich owner who was plugging millions into that team and they were spending an absolute fortune. So just because you draw Krasnodar, you're like, who are they? Then you do a bit more research and you're like, oh, shit. It was like when Hearts drew Kravena Zvezda in the Cup Winners' Cup. You're like, well, happy days, never heard of them. And then it translated Red Star, but you're like, bastard. And we came so close. I don't think we should be... I don't think we should worry. I think we just enjoy this. And I don't think we... Sometimes you want big names. Other times you want progress. Ryan will never forget playing against Liverpool, right? And the experience from that. And that's something that he can tell his kids about as opposed to losing to some team that you're like, how did we lose to them? Like There'll be no Hearts player that's speaking in 30 years' time and sitting with their kids or grandkids and going, I well, we got a nil-nil draw in Malta against Birkirkar. And you're like, Grandad, shut up. So... I think part of it, you, the ideal draw would be a couple of really good trips and a team that you think you've got a chance of going through against or finishing above. That would be your best bet for the Europa League. And then in the Conference League, you might get a glory team that are in there, like a Roma or whatever, but you want teams that you've got a chance of beating. Yeah, I think so, because you look at the teams that progress past, I know the way it works, there's advanced the round of 16 and then there's playoffs to get to the knockout round. But teams that got past the group stage, you've got Lask, uh, Maccabi Tel Aviv, um, you've got Randers from Denmark, you've got PLK, um, or Pauk, I don't know how you say it, over there, Vitesse, Basel, Karabag. They're teams that could beat Hearts and potentially, but they're teams that I would say we would have a chance against. I mean... Tencastle have got a chance against anybody. I, it's weird. I find it, I find it odd the, how close the finances are between the Conference League and the Europa League because mm-hmm. yeah. I, I, I was just when I was thinking about it, it's like you get four wins in Europa Conference and that's 1.7 million quid that's a mental for a team like Hearts 
UEFA have done some stupid things over the years. This is one of the best things that they've done. That and the Nations League, they should be applauded for. Because this, European football is not all about the Super I don't, League. I don't the like the conference. Teams. I don't like the conference, only because we're in it. I like it. I don't like the idea generally, but if we're in it. <laughs> what, the conference league? Yeah, the Europa conference. I don't like the but it's, concept, but it's giving but... No, but it's giving teams a chance of playing. In the, it's it's enhancing. No, it is. It, look, I'm not going to get like, into my arguments against it just now, but why, why, when we're in the mix, I'm, I'm all for it. But, but the experiences <laughs> that fans will get when they go to these places that they wouldn't had a chance if they were trying to qualify for the Europa League. If there was no conference league, Hearts would be whatever qualifying round, probably the, the penultimate qualifying round for the Europa yeah. League. Yeah, but what they're what they're trying to do is shove the less glamorous teams out of their bigger competitions and then eventually they won't they won't want to give Scotland a place in Europa League. So I mean I, wow. I, I know I, I know I also think saying. that I also think that okay for the bigger teams and that is the, the process but Hearts could benefit from this massively in terms of breaching the gap between third place or the sort of being a third team in Europe to getting yep. that bit closer to Celtic and Rangers. Because like you said, putting those numbers in, there was no way that Hearts would have even been getting that if they, like when I was playing, got knocked out from Liverpool. That was it. Two games, great, great memories, great everything. Whereas now if they go to this conference league, there's a real possibility of getting, what, maybe possibly five million? Oh yeah, I mean, I mean, all in. So what you, yeah, what, what are you talking? You get basically you'll get three. Even if you, if you take tickets out of the mix, because it's a bit harder to kind of calculate with costs, etc. But three million for getting to either the groups, um, get a few results in there. I mean, that's the thing. If you that, go in the conference league, the gap. conference league could give you just on results alone the same prize money for actually finishing third, because you get two million for finishing third if you get. I don't know four wins and a draw. If you got a, if you got a kind of, if you got a nice group, I know that's asking a lot, but um, that's a big chance. It's, it's, you bring me on to my next thing, Ryan. Actually, quite quite nicely there because this is one of the. I was speaking to Rob Borthwick about this recently, and we had some concerns about next season because you know Celtic and Rangers manage this. They have big squads, and that's what they're there for. They're used to playing European football till Christmas and often beyond. You know, we've got two games in August for the playoffs, 18th and 25th, and then you'll have six match days. So two in September, two in, uh, sorry, three in October, one in November. Potentially, if you go further than that, you've then got, obviously, second half of the season as well, but we won't get that far. We know we'll definitely have those eight match days in the first half of the season, plus at least one um, League Cup uh, round to deal with as well. How do Hearts approach this? Because one of... One of the challenges here is going to be we need a different kind of squad than we've had this season because the demands of playing midweek and the weekend are going to be ones that we've not really had to we've not had to deal with that. And I suppose it's very feasible that Hearts drop off, especially in that first half of the season domestically, because they are being tested during the week. They'll have trips to could be very far, but there'll be trips somewhere in Europe. Um how do Hearts manage this squad, Mark? Because this is quite a pivotal season now. This season was big. We got there. We will have, we'll have funds from it. We'll have money from it. But do do we need to try and strengthen to the point that we can maintain a kind of top three finish and not drop off from there, but also manage Europe and really, and that that's going to require a bit of investment. 
When I took my father down to Augusta recently, I sat and had a brilliant chat over dinner with Martin Dempster, the former Hearts correspondent for the Edinburgh Evening News. And I said to him, am I remembering this right, Martin? The week after we won the Cup in 1998, the back page headline in the Evening News was, we'll spend, spend, spend to match the old firm, Leslie Deans. He says, yep, I did the interview. The sub-editor put that as the headline because that's what he told me. And... That was the kind of beginning of the end. It went tits up. We had money. We didn't know how to spend it. I think we are now in a better position. I think I, I have far more trust in the individuals. It's like selling a house. You suddenly have an excess of a six-figure excess. And you're like, happy days. I've got no clue what to do with it. And the next thing you know, most of it's gone. You're like, what just happened there? So with <laughs> the spend- Is that your story over the last few weeks? Yeah. <laughs> I wonder if you'd kind of put two and two together. And the answer is your wife just goes crazy and you're like, fucking scam it down, love. Just slow down a little bit here. So we, I think, are now a football club that is owned by us, but has the right people in play that don't go cock It doesn't suddenly go, okay, we're going to pay double what we're paying now for our top earner. Because I'm sure Ryan would have experiences of that kind of dressing room when someone's clearly not pulling their weight and you know they're earning a hell of a lot more. So we've got to be careful with that. I think we just continue doing what we're doing. And I've been looking through some European results for Scottish teams outside of the old firm, which is Rangers and Celtic, by the way, to any Celtic fans that are listening, despite the fact that their team have got no interest. And even when Rangers scored an extra time, Celtic's tweet said, goal to the opposition. It's just pathetic. But that's another story. The only team out with... Hearts, who haven't played their eight games yet, who have had eight games in a European season that are not called Rangers and Celtic, were Aberdeen. That was the last team to do it. Um, and yeah. I'm not going before that because it was Dundee United and whatever. But they played in the UEFA Cup. They got through against Dnipro and away goals. They played in a group stage, which back then was four games against four different teams, similar to what we did when we had Schalke and Ferenc Faros. And then they played Bayern Munich and, and they were beaten. So they played eight games. But the point I want to make about Aberdeen, they were in Europe every single season from 2015 through until last season or this current season. They have not been past the playoff round. They've not gone further than three rounds, whether that's first qualifying round to third qualifying round or second qualifying round to playoff round when they lost to Carabag earlier this year in the Conference League. If we spend wisely... And I'm sure Ryan and you have got ideas as to how we spend. I think we, we go for quantity and quality of squad. But mm-hmm. if I gave you seven European campaigns for hearts, because that's what we're aiming for. Ryan's talking about narrowing the gap to Rangers and Celtic. I would disagree to an extent. I would say make sure the gap is big enough over yeah. the teams below us. Yeah. Right. So that we should both. be playing. Both. 100%. But yeah, by doing by, closer to Celtic and Rangers and moving further and, away from correct, hundred percent. By getting further away from the teams below you, by essence, you should be getting closer to the teams above yeah. you, but because you, you're you're um, you're performing better and more consistent on a regular basis. So if I give both of you seven European campaigns, right? I'm not saying we're going to finish third every season, but hopefully that's what we do. You would like to think you would get through, and at least so out of those seven campaigns. Um, by the way, in the final round of qualifying that they played in their last, before they got exit, they lost both against Sociedad in 15. They lost one and drew one against Kairat in 2016. 
They lost one and drew one against Maribor in 2017. In 2018, they beat Apollon but lost away and went out. In 2019, a draw and a loss to Burnley. In 2020, two defeats to Rijeka. In 2021, they had the one-off game against Sporting, which they lost. And in 2022, they lost both against Carabag. So in seven campaigns, in the round that they were eliminated, Aberdeen had one win and even then still went out. You would like to think Hearts would do better than that, wouldn't you? I would hope so. Um, the big challenge is going to be the squad. So I, we could maybe make this a little bit of homework to an extent. One, the way I kind of look at it, which I'm, I'm going to oversimplify it for the sake of this, is you basically need two teams. You're not going to use, you're not going to play one eleven on the Thursday and one eleven on the Sunday, but you effectively need two players for every position who are capable. Is how I would look at it in a simplistic manner because every position could need to be covered because of you know fatigue or a little knock. Um, is that a nice simplistic way to look at it, Ryan? Do you think if you've got yeah. a European cam- campaign in the league, make sure that you do have basically a, a capable player for the league games at least for every position? Is how I was, yeah. And it. then you have those sort of utility players that can fill in for a, a few. It's it's again making it super s- simple the A-League does that in terms of you have a squad of 23 players and you have yeah. near enough two for every position certain positions you maybe have a, an up and coming youngster that you can possibly get away with also knowing that a senior player can play a few different positions and I think yeah. that's exactly what Hearts are going to need to do because when you think about it they could you know when you're looking at the squad that they have now, you're probably maybe what three or four key players away. See, sort of yeah. players that could go into that starting lineup, and then you get four of the starting lineup, say from the weekend, that then drop onto the bench. Or is that too many? Do you then have See, players? That are- yeah, it's it's tough. I mean, Mike and so I I drew out the I drew out the team and I put where I think we needed some players and um. If you put like the three four three, if you put three four three, the big challenges defensively because obviously we we lose Suter in the summer. I don't feel we should keep a hold of Taylor Moore, um, based on what we've seen so far, which would leave Sibic Halkett Kingsley. So potentially, we need three players that can cover there. I know Smith can cover there. Um, we've got Atkinson and Smith on the right. I'm quite comfortable with that. Atkinson coming on Smith who won't be able to play week in, week out, but good backup. Smith's also a great option because he can come and play any of the three. Yeah. He can play the two centre-backs and right-back. So midfield the as well, yeah. Midfield, similar to Halliday, can drop in at left-back, can can play holding or sort of an attacking option. They're the kind of typical squad players that can kind of get disrespected, but every club needs, and especially when you're then challenging on all fronts. So here's let's 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 put a little challenge. I know where. You know, so when I play football manager, that's often how I like to base it is have my two elevens in my system. Yeah, that's what I like to do. I like to make sure I have a two. Ba- I could have two elevens basically. They're not both going to be strong as each other, but both would be capable for playing in the league because I'm good at the game. So I'm always going to be in Europe. Um, <laughs> so why don't we see if we can get suggestions of what? next season's 22 we'll call it 22 obviously we're gonna have other players but the 22 so you need let's say we need two 11s basically a backup for every position 
who would you what would your team be next season? You're gonna have to find some new signings. Who would you might want to get rid of a few? I would feel like I'd send Woodburn and Moore back to their clubs after the loan deal, and I might try and move Ginelli and Gary Mackay Stephen on. That might not be possible. That would be my feeling. And we definitely need another goalkeeper. I'd say we need three defenders. If we send Moore back and Suter goes, we need another midfielder in the centre. Hopefully keep Haring. That would maybe mean we only need one more in the centre. And then two more attacking inside forward slash number 10s and another out-and-out striker. So I think I would... Mine I'm going to look at finding four, five, eight. But obviously some people might yeah. want to keep everyone. It'd just be quite interesting because obviously you're going to have to come up with some players. Oh, we're not going to know all the avenues hearts could go down. But let's just put it out there. So give us your... Heart squad for next season, a squad that can compete on two fronts, on in Europe and domestically. We've not had to deal with this before. Um, obviously, maybe to an extent when we were in the, the old group stages, but not like Mark says, not the eight games minimum. So, yeah, let's put it out there and we can have a think before that time as well. Maybe have a think about what we would do. I might I'm make one suggestion. Well, that was my <laughs> suggestion. I would, honestly... <laughs> I would add I would add Ryan McGowan as a squad player. Uh, yeah. Adam as a, because doesn't matter. You'd be prepared he, he, to do that. Because he's happy to sit on the bench until someone gets oh. injured. So in, in, listen, in, you're not happy to sit on the bench, but you know your role, and that's what? key. And he'll probably fancy you, getting ahead of Civic after that. <laughs> I, back, I would back my chances that when I got the opportunity that I made it difficult for whoever the manager was, Robbie at the time to then leave me out. And I think that's all you can do is it, in that situation. It's the same as everyone at, at Hearts has done this season, haven't they? When they've got that opportunity, you know, listen to Halliday um, over the weekend, he said that everyone that's come in has made it really difficult for the boys that have either got injured, suspended, to then come back in. And that's what you want from your squad. I just can't wait for the weekend where you've given away a penalty or something. It's like, right, Ryan, so uh, what first up... What what was going through your head when you went right through the back of the Hibster player and gave away a penalty on Saturday? What would your availability be every week if you were at Hearts and you fucked up? Depends. The I was going to say it depends yeah. on the result. Yeah, if I scored or if I depending what I did, but it also be up you, to the manager. But the the other thing I think we're forgetting here, and, and I know he's on the podcast, I don't want to make his head <laughs> any bigger, but I think there's a certain type of player, and I'm not talking ability wise. I'm talking about a player in the dressing room that Robbie has has got. He doesn't want a Hellraiser. He doesn't want someone that's going to come in and be a Jamie Tart, for example, from um, from Apple TV's uh, Ted Lasso. Hello. Hello. Jamie Tart. Yeah, it's, it's a, a player who just upsets. He's, he wants to be okay. the big bow wow and, and whatever. Take your word for it. He does. R- Ryan McGowan, and pretend Jamie he's not Tart. here. because Yeah. <laughs> Ryan's not a tart, is he? I've got a funny feeling that's going to somehow make its way into the, I'm into just, the headline of this. I, I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think of how I can make a nice play on tar. I'm, I'm, sure, I'm sure you could, but attitude, right? Gowser has the attitude that Robbie is looking for. Now, I, th- I think R- Robbie and, and Joe Savage and the backroom staff predominantly will be looking for players of a certain kind of ticks boxes, right? Under 26, like they've been doing, bringing in young talent like Natty Atkinson that they can give a showcase and and then sell on. But I think you have to have players that are good in the dressing room and won't mind if they don't start the season, 
but know that you can rely upon them when called upon and won't go in the half. Because if you're adding these eight players and you're only taking out three or four, Laurie, the issue you've got is there's going to be more unhappy players on a Saturday or a match day who are not playing. So you don't want a player that's happy that he's not playing. Of course you don't. But as Ryan said, ready when called upon. And I think attitude is a key component of any potential new signings. Is that fair? Yeah, massive. I think that's one of your biggest things when you look for as a manager is, is he going to fit in the changing room? You know, what is he going to bring off the field is just sometimes as important on the field. And then also understanding your, your role within that team, you know, say, well, it's all hypothetical, but if I was to get that phone call, I would, I would be saying to Robbie, listen, I, I possibly understand that I'm not going to be in your starting 11, but my then goal is to make sure that by the end of the season, I am in your starting 11. That has to be your mindset. So whether you, you're getting a so-called squad player, you don't want someone just to go there that's happy to be on the bench. You want to be Monday to Friday, I'd be doing everything I possibly could to try and get myself into that team. When you do do that, it then makes a player who is in your position go, shit, I better pull my finger out during training this week because Gauss is flying or so-and-so's flying and, and he's putting pressure on me. I know I need to perform if, uh, if I'm a winger. I know I need to get an assist or goals because if I don't start getting goals and I don't start getting assists, it starts adding on to pressure of what is he bringing to the team. And it just, that's how you lift the squad. And that's what Hearts have done so, so well this season is that the players that have come in have made it really, really difficult for the players that have come out to get back in. And when those players do come back in, they realize that, listen, I'm not just going to keep walking into the starting 11. I need to be performing at a high level to keep my position, which then makes the squad better and makes the team better, makes you perform better. And that's why we're going to win the Scottish Cup. So yeah, give us your give us your thoughts um, on our squad for next season. Will McGowan make it? Yeah, yeah, maybe Dylan will. You never know. Um, yeah, tweet uh, tweet at around the funnel or email podcast at scarvesaroundthefunnel.co.uk. So Dundee United Hearts on Sunday. Dundee United still in the mix for a European spot for next season. Hearts with um, not much to play for in his final five games. Now, Ryan, you've been in this sort of situation, 2012, know you're in the cup final. Um, not quite as nothing to play for. Obviously, there were still league positions initially with, I think, five games to go for you, but not an awful lot on the line. Um, is this a case of Hearts wrapping everyone in cotton wool or do they want to keep momentum going and try and build as much team unity and confidence before the cup final? I think it depends on the, on the different players. Um, you know, certain players, uh, Barry Mackay, who's played, I'm going to guess, 95% of playing minutes. You could possibly leave him out a couple of games and, and sort of freshen him up where there's other players that have just come into the team. I'm trying to think of Civic, for example. You'd be wanting him to play all the games. You'd be wanting to get a real understanding of what if Halkett doesn't make it, how are we going to set up? You want those players to be fit, you want them to be you know, in game scenarios and, and be playing games. Um, Cammy Devlin coming back, you'd be wanting to make sure that he's up to speed for it. So it's a bit of a, a little bit of a balancing act and it's just so good that Hearts have third sewn up that they can use these games as... Um, know without throwing them away as such but use these games to build players confidence to get match minutes into certain players to work on different things you know i wouldn't be surprised if there's certain games that they would 
Robbie would have an approach. He might not tell the players, but he'd be interested in seeing how certain players play and maybe key tweaks on and off the ball and, and seeing if that then could work in the cup final. It's it, it's just an exciting time. And, and as a player, your main focus is you want to be playing. You want to be playing. You want to be playing at a good level. You want to be um, making sure that you've got any knocks or niggles um, you know, out of your system. And you know, just speaking on when the draw was made for that semi-final, I know for a fact that you know our message can be straight away when that draw came out and goes, there's your carrot for getting back fit. You know, I'm pretty sure that he was maybe two weeks, I think the physios told him, past the semi-final date. But there's that there's no doubt in my mind that that semi-final, you know, five weeks ago, whenever it was that was announced, made sure that Cammy did every single thing right in his prehab. And, and that's what's going to continue for, you know, for the next three or four weeks, however long it is to the, the cup final, is that everyone at the club will be wanting to tick all the boxes and, and make sure that they're fit and firing and make it as hard for Robbie to pick his, his starting 11. Here's a question for you both. When was the last time Hearts won away from home in the league post-split? Oh, our, um, our, and, and the, yeah, certainly in the top six, especially our record is really poor. Away in the league post-split, was it when are you going to say it's a way back when we first got relegated and we won at Easter Road? Nope. No. May 2016. We won away from home. Oh, yeah. That was the last time, which was nearly six years ago since Hearts last won an away game after the split. Oh, Aberdeen on a Thursday night. Correct. God, yeah. And before it's that, a long time, isn't it? Yeah, it's a long time that we have. The only other win was against Tabernian at home. I can see. Um, right at the end of the season, had, two one yeah, was. We've, yeah. we've our record has, has been absolutely it's, it's atrocious, awful. atrocious. But not with these players. No. Do we? Yeah, do, what, what different squad? Yeah. What do we? What What do we fancy in the weekend? You want to? It, it's a very hard one to call because there'll be a bit, a few changes in the Hearts team. United obviously have. Something still to play for, albeit they've fancy been on... goals, Laurie. I fancy yeah, goals they could, the, the first game between us up at Tanadice could easily have been had more goals. Remember, was it Mulgrew had a free kick that Craig saved brilliantly? Yeah, great save. Um, yeah, they've yeah. in their last, I think, seven league games, Dundee United have seen both teams score. So you'd yeah. fancy goals in this one. Like, give me a go on, Ryan. Give me a give a score line and a scorer. Why not? I'll go 2 2. Oh no, Gowser! I was, I was oh, thinking. No, that's... I want that one. You're all copying me. Yeah, right, we have to do different so. scorers. Are we all going two-two then? Um, I also went Sims, by the way, for last week. I got the score wrong. Yeah, but you got the score. Uh, well, combined, Ryan, I thought we did well. You got the scorer. I got the score. Hey, same face, well, isn't it? Every week. Oh, congr- congrats, you, congrats, you Ryan. Four nil. Yeah, but Sims. Four nil. What did you say? Um, I went two nil. Uh, wrong, wrong. Okay, remember I went. I went Halkett and something else. Did someone, Ryan? Did you not? Did someone not say Kingsley? (laughs) Or was it um, Tony or something? I I think you might have said Kingsley. I'll listen back. Did I say say Sims and Kingsley? I don't know. You you definitely said Sims. Um, So between us, yeah, we got. I like him. him. Um, I'm not going to go him this week. I think he'd be a little bit tired. The big fella putting a big shift. 
So I'm going to go Boyce. He likes Boyce. Rice. Well, yeah, last last time we went there was 2-2 and Boyce was on the score sheet. So, yeah. so I'm going to go big, bad, bold Boyce. <laughs> How about you, Mark? 2-2 <laughs> Kingsley. Oh, so what? Again, surely. Why not? Famous last words. But. Why not? I was annoyed last week that I was, it was, oh, Kingsley scored. I should have picked him. He's just scored. Um, 2-2 Kingsley. Mm, I feel like I'm going to have to go different to one of the triple two twos. Although Dun United's last two home games have triple Desmond. Um, what are the chances that they'll Desmond. draw three I'll home games in a row two two? I am going to go for a three one Hearts victory, which is entirely against what I was thinking before I made this prediction. But I don't want to predict a defeat. That's silly, isn't it? Can't start predicting defeats. Not against Dundee United. Um, I'm, not convinced, I'm not convinced they'll be 2 2. I think if, if we are, I think there's a good chance they'll win, but I'm, you're right. I'm, so do I, but I do not want to predict a, no, no. I do not want to predict a defeat. So I'm going to predict a 3 1 Hearts win. And let's not go. No. Um, Aaron McInniff to get Ooh. on the score sheet. Ooh, there we go. Look, I want to mix it up because I, I, I liked Boyce in 2 2, but. Um, I let Ryan go first, and that was my downfall. So I can't go with that. Can't copy. I'll just get accused of copying. So there you go. There's mine. Read it and weep. <laughs> I think we'll lose. I honestly think we'll lose. <laughs> so do I. But yeah, that would be a bit dismal to predict it. We can analyze it if we do. Let's not Two predict negative it bastards. I know. I know. But it doesn't matter anyway, though. I don't really care if we will lose. But. Anyway. I don't want to lose them all. I don't want to go into the cup final um, no. with another shite talk. They've got to have momentum. I've done enough commentary games of teams that have wrapped up titles and whatever, and they do, they find it hard. It's all right, because psychologically, it's like Hearts beating Hibs in, in 2006 in the semi-final. The players are psychologically, they're not going to say that it was going to be a walkover in the final, but you've, you've pretty much thought, well, it's only Gretna. So you need something. And that's what I think Robbie will be. You, that gap's at 16 right now. And the gap to Rangers is, is 19. I, I, I want that gap to Rangers to be closed as opposed to Dundee United oh. closing the gap to Hearts. Yeah. We well, get beat 5 0 before a cup final, would you? No. Oh, by the way, the game before the cup finals against the Rangers under 12s, if they get to the, the Europa League final. Yes, we will all be supporting Rangers in the um, semi final because if they get to the Europa League final, they will have to play <laughs> us. Us at Tynecastle, then play the Europa League final on the Wednesday, and then play us in the final on Saturday. So that would be nice. Good for the Scottish coefficient and good for our chances, I would say. Um, mm -hmm. And then next season, whoever we're playing in the cup final will be saying that about us when we've got the Europa Conference League final to come. Anyway, thank you for joining. We will be back next week to discuss whatever happens at Tanadice. Uh, until then, thanks for tuning in. And now the end is near And so I face the final curtain My friend, I'll say it clear I'll state my case of which I'm certain I've lived a life that's full I traveled each 
And every highway And more Much more than this I did it my way Regrets I've had a few But then again